welcome to the Blindfold Chess Podcast. In this week's game, we will be looking at Grandmaster Susan Polgar. Susan had a controversial upbringing with her two sisters, both Judith and Sophia. Um, their father, Lozano Polgar, um, was trying to test a theory that geniuses are made and not born, and the objective of the experiment was to train children from a very young age into a very specific specialization. He took his three children and taught them chess. And the reason that he chose chess was, one, it was an objective game, unlike music or art, where it was subjective. And then two, the sport or the game was male-dominated. So his thinking was, if you could raise three women to excel in a male-dominated sport, that would be very strong evidence for his hypothesis. And that's exactly what he did. He took those three women and they became grandmasters and international masters and women's world champion. So the evidence does seem strong, but it does seem very dicey in the ethics department. Susan herself played in her first tournament at the age of four by winning the Budapest Under 11 Girls Championship with a perfect score of 10 and 0. At the age of 12, she became the women's under-16 champion of the world, and at the age of 15, she became the highest-rated female player in the world. The following year, or in 1996, um, she became the world champion, and then there was a rematch scheduled in 1998, but then that was delayed, and then in 1999, Fide determined that she had forfeited her title. Now, there are three reasons that she did not play in that championship. The first was the prize fund was too low. The second was that she was pregnant and did not have time to prepare for the match. And the third was the championship was to be played entirely in China, which was the challenger's home country. If you were to examine that from the world championship lens, usually it is split between two neutral countries, unless both players are from the same country. So this was an unfair advantage in her direction. As a result, she had to forfeit her title. Since then, she was the first Grandmaster um, female to win Grandmaster of the Year, and she was also the first woman to win the U.S. Open Rapid and Blitz Tournament. Now she assists the Webster University Chess Club in Missouri with their SPICE program, and that is the Susan Polgar Institute for Chess Excellence. In today's game, we are looking at a game she played in 1981 when she was 12 years old in Warsaw against Sirkov. Now, if we're ready, let's begin. 1. Pawn to d4. Pawn to f5. 2. Pawn to c4. Knight f6. 3. Knight f3. Pawn to g6. Four, pawn to g3. Bishop g7. 
5. Bishop g2. Castles kingside. Six castles kingside. Pawn to d6. Seven knight c3. Pawn to c6. Eight pawn to d5. Pawn to e5. Nine pawn d captures e6. Bishop captures e6. Ten queen d3. What two pawns is white defending by moving the queen to d3? That would be the pawn on e2 and the pawn on c4. Knight a6. Eleven, knight g5. Queen e7. Twelve, bishop f4. Rook a to d8. Thirteen, Rook f to d1. Knight e8. There is a lot of activity on one specific square. What square is that? That is the pawn on d6. For bonus points, how many white pieces are attacking d6? and how many black pieces are defending d6. That would be 3 for white and 3 for black. The white rook on d1, the white queen on d3, the white bishop on f4, and for the black side, the rook on d8, the knight on e8, and the queen on e7. 14, queen e3. Knight c5. 15, pawn to b4. Knight e4. 16, knight c captures e4. Bishop captures a1. Seventeen, knight captures h7. 
Knight captures on h7 feels like a strange move. Yes, white can capture the rook on f8, but they also had the option to capture the bishop on a1, and the knight on h7 can be captured by both the queen and the king. Can you see why Susan went for this? The idea is that the hole on g5 is open for the white knight. So if the queen were to capture on h7, white would play knight g5 and attack both the queen and the bishop on e6. And if the king captured on h7, you could play knight g5 with check, and then you can capture on e6. Pawn to f captures e4. Eighteen, knight captures f8. King captures f8. Nineteen, rook captures a1. Bishop captures c4. Twenty, bishop g5. Knight f6. Twenty-one, queen d4. Black resigns. The move queen d4 is not a check and it is not a capture. So why did black resign here? That would be the double attack on the knight on f6 and the bishop on c4. When white picks up one of those pieces, they will have a clear winning advantage. I like these games that are full of tactics. You can try to see all the different possibilities, and sometimes the move order is critical in depending upon which piece you capture at what particular time. But that's just what kind of makes chess a very beautiful game to play. So that is all that we have for this week. Tune in next time where we will look at a, another game from the Masters, past and or present, or we may throw in something a little different next week. <laughs>